as we get to know one another, one thing I enjoy is history and these stories that just compel us to really reconsider the way we're living and to look deeper into what the gospel is and who Jesus is and how he transforms everyone who is open to him. So in, the, in, the, in World War II, there was um, a Nazi commander named Rudolf Hess. But there's also another one who was in Poland, and his name was also Rudolf Hess. So I'm going to talk about the Polish ones. So maybe think of like the world's most evil people. Uh, Rudolf Hess in Auschwitz was easily one of the most evil men. It's said that he presided over three million deaths in Auschwitz. You've got to imagine like what, what happened to him because he was actually baptized Catholic. He went to Catholic school. He would go to confession. And it said at one point when he was going to school, it was, just an, it was just a straight up accident, but he bumped into a friend and the friend fell in such a way that broke their ankle and the teachers didn't agree with how that happened, and they, they gave him, you know, detention, and it, and it really hardened his heart, and the priest went to his house to go talk to him, and he thought the priest was breaking the seal of confession, but he said, at that day, and as time went on, I began to harden my heart towards God. And then he began to hear this different gospel, this different good news of this evil dictator named Hitler, and he began to see everything he said as, as, as truth. Everything he said is truth, and he committed to it to the point of going to Auschwitz, and again, three million deaths. And there was one group of, of men that he presided over their deaths. He sent out soldiers to go take a bunch of Jesuit priests and went into their, their house and took them all out, and he brought them in to be murdered and killed. But one person wasn't there. It's a gentleman by the name of Father, Father Ladislav. And when he, when he came back to his quarters where the, where the other priests used to be and he found out what happened, he was so just full of grief, full of sadness, and he did the unthinkable. He actually went and tried to break into Auschwitz. And this enraged Rudolf Hess. He said, get him out of here. I don't want to know who he is. I don't, know, I don't want to be near him. But he said, you've killed my men. Kill me too. Take my life. I miss them so much. As World War II would end and the wounds of what Rudolf Hess did were so fresh in the community, he was imprisoned. And Rudolf Hess actually said that he was more afraid of being imprisoned than dying. He was more afraid. But one thing he said that changed his heart back to how God originally created it was the Polish soldiers in the prison. He said, they were so kind to me, even though I didn't deserve it. They were so patient with me, even though I didn't deserve it. And what he did is he asked them, could you please find me a priest to hear my confession? Now, this is the, the man who killed three million people in one area. So all these people probably know somebody that he was the presider of their death, right? And as he began to search the, the Polish soldiers began to search for a priest. He said, I think I know one that will actually come hear my confession. Father Ladislav. And he did indeed go to confession. Father Ladislav came to the prison, heard his confession that went on and on and on. 
and Father Ladislaw, or excuse me, Rudolf Hess's name in Auschwitz was the animal because he was so grotesque. He was so evil. He was like an animal. The next day, Father Ladislaw came back with the Blessed Sacrament, the Holy Eucharist. And the Polish soldier who saw this happen as he, he received communion, he said it was like seeing a little boy again who didn't have this pain in his heart anymore. And he said everyone was just weeping. And he saw him receive the Blessed Sacrament, receive Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. And he began to see who this animal was. It's almost as if at that moment, Jesus was taunting Satan, saying, this, this child is mine. This animal is mine. Before Rudolf Hess was hung, because he was found guilty against the crime against humanity, before he was hung, he wrote a letter asking for all the people of Poland to forgive him. And saying, I, I know what I did was wrong. And I ask for your, your forgiveness. What virtues do you hear in that? You know, we're in this, we're, we're finishing right now our third part, final part of the series on embracing conflict. Like the amount of courage, the amount of humility that Rudolf Hess had is what the gospel is all about. It's about Looking, at, you can say, look at justice, right? So justice is, is giving someone their what's due to them, what they, what's owed to them, right? But mercy always triumphs justice. This is this is a, one of the, the most beautiful stories because this is what the gospel is all about. So when where did, and where did Father Ladislav like where did he work? He was at the shrine of Divine Mercy, and Divine Mercy it, it pours out generously the mercy of God. It shows who Jesus truly is that he wants us all back. He wants us all to know his mercy. But then what he wants us to do is go and extend it to others, to go and forgive, to go and forgive the unforgivable. And that's, again, not easy. But the thing is, you can't forgive without God. Mercy is not natural. Forgiveness is not natural. Forgiveness is supernatural. Forgiveness is divine. And what we're called to do when we're at Mass is to take the life of Christ in us and bring it out into the world. And so often when we don't have that mindset, we forget, and we don't know these stories, we don't know our history, we don't know what difference Jesus makes and who he has impacted and who he has actually forgiven, we forget that we're not alone. We forget that we're not alone. Like, this is something that all of us are being invited to. So you can think of like Rudolf Hess, he's, he's done so much evil, but he received the mercy of God, but then he actually had the courage to ask for the mercy of God. And I don't know how many people in Poland forgave him. But if you look at Poland, one thing a lot of people don't know is that he lived almost in the exact, exact same town as John Paul II. Someone so evil was next to someone so holy. And think if they would have crossed paths before this, how Rudolf Hess's life probably could have looked different. And that's how it is for you and I, as we're called to grow in community, grow in friendship, and not be siloed off because that person has done so much evil. That person does so many wrong things, they just, they just annoy me. We look past that through the lens of the cross, and this is the power of the cross. And the power of the resurrection. 
And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is trying to get us to understand because if we think, ah, I see someone, I, I can't forgive them. Like, we don't get it yet. We just, we're not there yet. And if you're not there yet, like, that's okay. But there's always an invitation to see who God truly is. When we look at the, the, the book of Isaiah in our first reading today, like the Lord is giving us an invitation to change tonight. He's giving us an invitation to see what he is truly like. And if, if we think we know what God is like and we're withholding forgiveness, we don't know what he's like. We haven't truly opened ourselves up to what he's truly like. So Jesus, what he does is he gives us parables. He gives us these, these lifelong teaching stories. And this is the one that most people just, I don't want to hear it. It's our, our reaction. Like, how could you give everyone the same amount, same amount of payment when they don't deserve it? Like, how could, how could you do that? We've all been in, in, in positions where someone has done a group project, for example, and you put in all the work and they got the grade. You know how it goes, right? Some of you are shaking your heads and glad you're awake, right? Or maybe you've, you've, you've worked on a, on a team, right? You're part of a sport and you put in all this work in the off season and someone else comes in and they come kind of limping in, but they still, you still get a championship and they're so excited for all the hard work they did. But it's like, you really didn't do that that much. It wasn't a team effort. There's so many of these scenarios that are so relatable. So Jesus gives us a story about the vineyard owner and he goes out and he finds people who are idle. They're just looking for something to do, which we see so often. And he hires them. He says, go into my vineyard, into my workplace to see what I'm actually like and I'll give you what is just. And then he goes out again, because that's what the Lord does. He's always going out. He's always going out to win you and I back. And he, gets, he goes out at nine and noon and three. And there's people standing around and says, why do you stand here idle all day? Like, why are you doing nothing? There's something to do. He said, because no one's hired us. No one's called us. No one's challenged us. So summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. This is where, as, as an athlete, for me in baseball, this is always the analogy I come in. This is like me pitching. I was a pitcher in college. I'm standing on the mound. It's ninth inning. There's a guy in third base, and I forget that he's there. And he steals home. And they get the win right behind my back. But they, these are called deathbed conversions. Sometimes what happens is some people in our history, if you look at history again, it took to their last moment until he repented. Rudolf Hess would be considered a deathbed conversion. He repented at the last moment. A lot of people don't know that George Washington became Catholic before he died. John Wayne became Catholic before he died. And why they wait till the last second, but the thing is, if they repent and they accept Jesus and they get to heaven, isn't that the whole point of all this? Like, don't, you want everyone on this campus or all your family, all your friends to get to heaven. And the thing is, we talk about the virtues tonight and what virtue you want to grow in. And as a priest, the number, well, not the number one, maybe the top five, I'll say, in confession, the one thing I hear so often is impatience. And we're looking, when we're looking at embracing conflict, patience is so necessary. And the best definition of patience I've ever heard comes from Mother Mary Catherine. She's a missionary of the word. She's a religious sister, one of the most beautiful souls on this planet. New Mother Teresa, whole another story. But when she repeated to me what, what patience is, she said, patience is nothing other than the willingness 
to suffer the present moment. Patience is nothing other than the willingness to suffer the present moment. I'm not going to try to leave where I am. I'm going to endure this burden. I'm not going to try to escape. I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to detract. I'm going to bear this suffering of people gossiping. I'm going to bear this suffering of people doing whatever they do that really just drives me up the wall. I'm not going to try to change it. I'm going to try to endure it. What does our world do? Our world says, just go change them. Just try to change them. And the thing is, if anybody needs a change in this world, it's the person who looks at you in the mirror every single morning. We have so many people in our world today who just want to change others or change this, but they're so unwilling to be changed themselves. You see the virtue of Father Ladislav just waiting for the animal, right? Waiting for Rudolf Hess. As the Lord waits, and he waits to give us our daily wage, which is salvation, which is heaven. And he does it, he does it backwards. The Lord, again, if we think we know God, is like he does things backwards. He says, so when the first came, they thought they would receive more. Oh, I should get higher in heaven. I should get more grace. I should get more. But again, he gives them the usual daily wage. What he's talking about is mercy. He's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about letting them come into the kingdom. And that's so hard. I want this whole campus totally in love with Jesus. But it might not happen on my watch. And I have to be patient with that. I have to be willing to suffer that because it might not be the Lord's plan. And why is that? Again, what did Isaiah say? As far as the heavens are above the earth are my ways above your ways. God is strange. God is different. And if we think we, we know who he is 100% and we're not merciful and we hold unforgiveness or grudges in our heart, then we don't know him. We're not there yet. And that's the invitation that's before us tonight. As we look at the last part of embracing conflict, a big part of that is either asking for or giving mercy, giving forgiveness towards the person who has hurt you. Last week we talked about unforgiveness being poison. And if you're holding that poison still in your heart, you have someone you still have a grudge towards, you're not willing to enter and embrace conflict with, I always ask the same question, how is that going for you? Last week we said, like, who in here would want peace? And like everyone's like, yeah, I think I'd want peace. And that's what the Lord is inviting us to. But the thing is, our God gives us free will. He invites us. He never imposes. It's always a proposal. Do you want to see my plans for you? Do you want to see what life could be like being filled with the Holy Spirit, being set on fire, having a missionary heart for souls? Do you want to know what it's like to forgive the unforgivable? Then again, last week, what did I say we need? We need the Holy Spirit. When a priest forgives sins, it's always through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus was so intent on giving us his Holy Spirit so we could do what is not normal. It's just not normal to forgive. And when we look at St. Paul, when he talks about the, our God, who is love, what does he say love is? 
Love is patient. And if you struggle with patience, one thing I'd encourage you to do is take time and reflect on how patient God has been with you. Like, it just blows my mind at how patient God has been with me. Like, there are so many times when I was just fighting him and I was resisting him, and he would always just say the same words. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? And I go sin some more, and I go indulge in sin and keep doing things my way, and then I go back to confession, and I go indulge, and I was just so frustrated. And he'd always come back and say, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? And that once I finally admitted that I was just disgusted with who I was becoming because I was holding so, so much in, so much anger, so much impatience, so much unforgiveness, when I finally began to actually practice what the gospel invites me to do, what I got was freedom. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at this by any means. I'm probably harder on myself than I need to be. But there's always that sense of who God is, and he's always a mystery to me because he's, he's so good. He never quits. And he'll never quit on you. And because he'll never quit on you, then we're called to not quit on others. What would have you have done if you were one of those prison guards? You have the animal before you. Without the Holy Spirit, without the gospel message, and knowing our identity in the Father, I think a lot of us would say, just kill him right now. Because most prison guards, they would have a gun, right? They could, they could do it right there. But what good would come from that? Righteous anger? More scandal? The thing is, as Catholic Christians, we always want to offer people an opportunity to repent. I said last week, that's why we don't support the death penalty. Last thing I want to end with is just something that happened in the past 10 years. Maybe you remember the Boston Marathon bomber. We're seeing all that just, just stuff, people's body parts all over the place. And those men were thrown in jail and immediately people were like, just kill them. Put them to death, death penalty. But if we know the gospel, I was praying the Divine Mercy Chapel and my friends and I in seminary were praying the Divine Mercy Chapel because we know we want to give them, we're praying for the grace of God to give them an opportunity to repent, to accept salvation, to come to heaven. And that's what we do if we accept the invitation to see what God is actually like and when we're, we're called to resemble him to all we meet. I can almost just sense that the Holy Spirit right now is just putting something on your heart to invite the Lord more deeply into, to get rid of the poison, to get rid of the impatience, and to let God be who he is so you can be more like him. The Lord will never force himself upon you. We need more men like Father Ladislav. It's Priesthood Sunday to lay their lives down, to do what is seemingly impossible, to go where no man would go before, to be Jesus to the world that is just looking for him, standing around idle, bored, numb, not knowing their worth, their identity, that they matter. So people can know the power of mercy and the power of persistence and patience. So when we enter into conflict, we embrace conflict. Sometimes we have to wait 
for them to come to us. And sometimes we're called to go to them. But if we're in relationship with the Lord, we're praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll know when to go and when to stay. And all of us have something that we're being called to grow in some area. And this week we just look at patience, just praying for the grace to be willing to suffer the present moment, not trying to escape everything, but to embrace the cross the Lord has given us and be more like Jesus, to receive his mercy and give his mercy. This is how, mer- this is how generous our merciful God is. Like the Lord asks us that question, are you envious because I am generous? That I would actually forgive the seemingly unforgivable because I want everyone to myself. And always remember the Lord, it's not a crowd with him. He sees you individually as his son or daughter, as if there are only one of you. There are no crowds, there is no y'all with Jesus. He's not cheating you. He never will. And he never has. When you come to know him, he's not a cheat. He reveals the love of who the Father is through the power of his spirit. So we take a moment of silence to pause. We pray for the Holy Spirit to fall upon us. So come, Holy Spirit. Help us be more patient and forgiving and to not be afraid to enter and embrace conflict. Please teach us how to forgive, to seek confession, and to forgive others and to get rid of the poison in our hearts. And help us find all those on this campus who are standing around idle, looking for something to do because no one has encountered them. Make all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.